Well, let me welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, and unfortunately, my good buddy Kevin Luco battling a little bit of the crusty stuff going on out there right now. So I'm honored to welcome, I guess I should say, former Chicago Dogs catcher Ryan Lidge at this moment. A moment. So, Ryan, thanks for joining me this week. Oh, absolutely. I'm excited. This is, I believe, my third time being on, and uh, it's probably around the same time each year. But uh, I, had a, I had a gut feeling. I'm like, you know what? They might reach out to me coming up here, and uh, what do you know about like a week week or so later, I got the message, hey, you want to come on? And I just, uh, I love being on the show, so uh, I'm happy to be here. Well, that is awesome. So, Ryan, let's just, first of all, for fans that didn't hear this, you decided to put the cleats up for now. So tell us a little bit about the decision-making process for you. Yeah, so uh, for any athlete, whether it's high school, your senior year of high school, or it's some point during college or if you get blessed enough like myself to be able to uh, continue playing in the professional ranks, that decision, um, and I was lucky enough where I got to make the decision. A lot of players might not be able to make the decision. It it gets made for them. Um, But like I said, I was blessed enough to be able to make that decision, and every athlete comes comes to a point where you kind of got to look yourself in the mirror and say, uh, you know, what, what's my future look like? What do I want? Where am I right now? And uh, for me, uh, the thing I want most in the world is I want to I have a family. Um, you know, making the major leagues was a big dream of mine for, for a long time in my 20s, but I turned 30 in a year, and I just kind of uh, saw, uh, you know, my family in my mind in the middle of the year, my, my future family, um, and I said, you know what, I, I think I, I just, it just felt right. Uh, I did a lot of praying about it, uh, and it just felt like the right time. And uh, uh, shout out to TJ Bennett, who was with the Kane County Cougars, and uh, he kind of got me thinking a bit when he uh, had a game-winning hit in his very last game, and he was holding his, his son, Jaira, in his arms after the game. And I just – that's kind of what started to snowball my thinking about uh, – uh, maybe this is my last year, and uh, I'll tell you what, it, with the guys on the team I had in the last, just the last three years with the Chicago Dogs, I, I am so lucky to uh, say the last three years were the very best in my baseball career, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So, so I'm just curious, kind of looking ahead to this future family, th- did we see the future Mrs. Lids when you were thinking about that? Because I just want to know if I come across <laughs> her, if I need to kind of direct her your way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh when I picture that, I, uh, I see that entire family with the future Mrs. Lidge there. And uh, uh, I do have a girlfriend right now, and things are going awesome. I am very excited uh, about things with her. Uh, but uh, right now we take it one day at a time, uh, one week at a time, and, uh, um, and just, you know, continue to build a relationship. And then we'll see from there. But, but to, be, to be pretty open, a huge reason why – I decided this was my last year was, was financial reasons. Uh, uh, for those who uh, aren't as aware, when you're a minor league baseball player, uh, sometimes you depend on your family, your parents, or, or your friends on the living situations or, uh, you know, going paycheck to paycheck in the off season because we don't uh, get a, a contract that goes through a whole season. So uh, for me, financially, I, I also had to uh, think about myself and, you know, if I want to have that, that future family that I start saving up for them now. 
So tell us a little bit about what, what, what does the future hold here for Ryan Lynch now? Yeah, so uh, I got very lucky. I, I don't like to call it luck. Uh, I was very blessed to uh, have a uh, job opportunity in uh, mental performance um, in life, all things life, business, and sports with the uh, me being the head of a baseball division with a company known as Zone Coach Consulting Services. It's a 50-year-old company, over 50 years old. Um, and I've known the founder, Jim Fannin, for 10 years. He was actually my mental coach through college, through the Yankees, through the Chicago Dogs. And essentially, when you work with someone for 10 years, you start to become an expert on the uh, whatever you're learning uh, just as you're, you're going through that journey. And uh, he had a uh, opening for me, and I graciously accepted it. And um, it, a lot of minor league players, they uh, don't really have an opening a lot of times when that season's over and they call it a career. But like I said, I was blessed enough where it was ready for me. And now I'm looking forward to helping people manage their thoughts, uh, get into a peak performance mindset, and get more – uh, out of themselves, we get essentially we get people to think less, so they do more. And who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> now, now, what's interesting about that is that yeah, I think a lot of people who've been around you would say your mental approach to to the game itself is is spectacular. You you always got a smile on your face. You look like you're enjoying being out there all the time. And this this isn't an easy game, especially as a catcher. So. Do you feel like this just a natural fit for your personality to be doing something like this? You know, if you told me if you told me ten years ago that this is what I'd be doing, I'd be like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. Um, but that's just because when you're young, you're a bit naive. Uh, you don't really understand how mentally fatiguing that this baseball, this game of baseball, can be. I mean, uh, the best in the league. They fail seven out of ten times. Uh, and if you're lucky enough, uh, maybe you're like Brian Torres and you only fail six out of ten times. <laughs> and, um, uh, but I, I do think that it, it, it fits very well with my personality. I get so passionate about the game of baseball, but more so about that uh, the way you think. If you can change the way you think, you can change the way you feel. And when you change the way you feel, I mean, that changes everything. And uh, for me, I didn't know that super early on in my career. I was so new into the mental game and, and that peak performance side. But as I got older, as I started to really learn the mental game, I started to really just come to my own. And that's why you saw more smiling and more laughing and enjoying it because I just put so much less pressure on myself. And I just was in the moment way more. I wasn't worrying about my past. I wasn't worrying about my future. I was just so jacked up to be a Chicago dog, playing in my hometown, playing in front of my friends, my mom and dad, my family. They're able to come to so many games. How could I not smile in the fans? Man, that is the best part about playing for the dogs is you have some diehard fans for an organization that really hasn't been around for too long. So um, I can't thank all those, those people enough for, for helping me have that smile on my face because it's tough. And, and I think people understand that, but when you're really deep into it and you're in those trenches, uh, it can be hard sometimes to pull yourself out, but that's why the mental game 
and, uh, and having the right mindset and understanding, having that self-awareness of what you're thinking about is so crucial in, in the game of baseball. And, and that's why I'm, I'm into, uh, into what I'm doing now. I, I think I heard a beep. So did, did Kevin come on now? Or is he feeling a little better? Yes, um, folks, um, when you're co-hosting a podcast, always probably good to set an alarm for maybe 10 minutes before the start of the show. <laughs> I wake That's up, right. I'm looking it's at my right. clock, and it's like eight minutes after the hour, like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let Kevin catch up with us here in a minute. Let, let me ask you one thing about this, though, Ryan, is, is that after you make this decision that, okay, you're because you, know, you talked about you, you come across TJ and then you're thinking, okay, th- this is it for me. Did the season become more enjoyable for you after that, or did you kind of feel like, man, my days are winding down and I'm not going to be playing this anymore? Um, that's, a, that's an awesome question. Uh, I had my – luckily, I had my best friend. And, again, I keep using that term luckily. I was very blessed to have my best friend, Nick Green, with me this, this entire year. Me and Nick were uh, awesome friends with the Yankees. That's how we met. Um, and he came and played with the dogs. One of our best pitchers was an absolute horse in the playoffs. But having him with me, who uh, he was deciding if it was his last year as well, and uh, he actually lived at my house, and having those car rides back home, talking about it, and, um, you know, there were definitely some days where it was really hard, and I was like, man, this is really my last year. I want to go as far in the playoffs. I want to win. I don't care about my own personal stats. I just I want to have a great time, and I want to win. Um, and so that puts a little pressure on you. But at the same time, it's like, man, I'm just going to go out there, and I'm going to soak in the, the, the minutia of the day, which is being with the guys in the clubhouse, going to the field and batting practice, joking around in the dugout, joking around with the hitters during the game. As a catcher, I, I uh, am able to do that. And uh, just really soaking in, like, man, this, this will be my last time doing this. This is my last road trip. This is my last time in Sioux Falls. This is my last time in uh, Milwaukee. Things like that are, are the small things that you start to appreciate and um, that I know I won't necessarily miss the, you know, the big games all the time, but I'll miss the, the late road trips and uh, the, uh, the fun conversations you have in the dugout with the guys. Well, looking at this season, had your another spectacular year for the team, but you know I think a lot of people are going to remember that huge hit in the playoffs for you. And so, I, I you and I were talking a little bit before before the show began here about what a big moment that was for you. But talk to us a little bit, kind of share your thoughts on that big hit and how it was like to help your team advance onto the championship series. <laughs> I don't think I have enough time to give the entire story. I wish I could because <laughs> there's just so much that goes into it. Um, just it felt like a culmination of everything that I've gone through uh, in a career that just kind of, kind of comes down to a defining moment. But for those who know and those who don't know, it's the Chicago Dogs and Milwaukee Milkmen. I don't care who you're talking to. That is the rivalry in the league. If you haven't seen a Milkman Dogs game, you have to go because the energy in the ballpark is just different. And even – Playing Kansas City in the championship, it felt different. And that's an awesome vibe that we had having the Wolf Cup, the Miles Wolf Cup in our stadium and at Kansas City. But 
there is just something about when Milwaukee comes on, our manager, Butch Hobson, he would tell us, put your football helmets on because we've right, we got to get going here. Um, so playing against Milwaukee essentially felt like our championship with the dogs. Um, even regular season games are intense against them, and let alone to have a winner, winner go to the championship and win the division. I mean, you're, you're asking for a dog fight, literally. Uh, so uh, having that at bat uh, in that uh, extra innings, uh, I, I was behind Nick Heath when he tied the game. I actually, um, in the ninth inning, we had a couple things go our way. Uh, but like I said, Nick Heath hit a sack fly to get the tying run in, putting less pressure on myself. But then in that bottom of the ninth with two outs, I actually did not come through. And so I'm fully aware this is my last year. I'm fully aware that that could have been my last at bat. And so I had this, which I haven't really had all year, this sense of panic in my gut that, oh, my gosh, Ryan, like you're supposed to come through in those situations. You didn't. Your team was – pounding on you, and I really haven't thought that. And so I really had to flush that out quick because we had to, you know, shut down Milwaukee now in, in the, in the uh, uh, top of the 10th. And our pitchers did amazing, and we were battling, and my next at-bat comes up, and I'm facing Mahoney with Milwaukee, who's had my number all year. He was an awesome reliever for the Milkman. And, you know, I'm just saying some prayers during the at-bat and on deck, and I'm like, please just, Whatever it takes. Please, God, just help me. Whatever it takes, help me think the right thing here, whatever approach that is. And I get down 0-2, and right before Mahoney throws uh, what ended up being a slider about, I don't know, two feet off the plate, actually, I had a whisper in my head that just said, don't stride, which if you watch my swing, I would do a leg kick, and I'd stride out. But just literally milliseconds before he threw it, I just widened out, and I just said, I'm going to not even use my legs here, and I'm just going to use my hands. And uh, I, I saw the ball. I flicked it. And as soon as I hit it, I was like, oh, man. Uh, I just popped out the third. And uh, then the next reaction is, oh, my gosh, that's going to fall in. Oh, my gosh, we're going to go to the championship. And the next thing I know is I'm hugging Peyton Eels. I see an absolute mob of Chicago Dogs players coming after me. And, I mean, just talking about it right now gives me goosebumps. It gives me chills. It actually makes me emotional because of how that was the greatest moment in my baseball career, not even close to anything, not even close to me getting drafted by the Yankees. Uh, that was the premier moment for me. And I, I, I'm, funny enough, I watch that video quite often just because of what that meant to me but really what it meant to the players with the dogs to do that for Butch Hobson, Stu Clyburn, uh, Joe Dominiak, uh, the Chicago Dogs fans, but then the players that I grinded with throughout the, the entire year with, uh, just to do that for them, it just was just so gratifying. I'm not going to ask you to get into like um, too much of a detailed um, answer, but – with Milwaukee, was the rivalry, was it a competitive one, or did things get a little personal between the clubs? Was there <laughs> chirping, or was there a, like a, just a respect and just a com competitive rivalry? It, it really is a respect. Uh, I have some, some good friends on that team, um, guys that even after the game, like, 
Brian Torres and Drew Ward saying congrats, giving me a hug, good luck. Um, it's, it's a respectful rivalry where we're close. It's, it's really that jersey, the jersey on your back, and uh, just you just know it. And it's, it's really not, I don't like this guy, I don't like that guy. That has nothing to do with it. It's just that respectful, like, okay, this is the rivalry. We're going to own it. And uh, is there some emotion involved when uh, we kind of yell back and forth at each other? That happens with every kind of baseball game. Um, Milwaukee, it might get ramped up a bit just because the energy is there. We had some crazy games in the uh, regular season as well. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's total respect, and it's total just owning that, hey, it's a rivalry. Let's have some fun with this. Let's talk a little bit about your time here in Chicago in general, Ryan, because, you know, you come out of the Yankees organization, COVID hits, and then, and then you join the dogs at that point. And, I mean, you just put up impressive numbers. And you became that, that guy. Chicago has always had that guy that stayed around like three or four years and really had a huge impact on the league. You were that guy the last few years. What, what was that like for you in your own hometown? Uh, it was unbelievably special. Um, if you told me coming out of the Yankees after getting released, I'm not sure if I'm going to continue playing. If you said, Ryan, if you just stick to it for a couple more years, you're going to be a three-time All-Star. You're going to hit over 300 every single year. You're going to win division championships. You're going to win the division. You're going to be a guy that people come out to see. I'd be like, where do I sign up? <laughs> I mean, it's just surreal. Um, to go from solo to uh, something where an organization doesn't think I'm even good enough to keep playing to a guy that people look to to come through in moments, to lead a team, to uh, uh, be there for fans if they want to talk before games, after games. It's, it's really hard to, to put into words how much that meant. Uh, and the, the blood, sweat, and tears that went into the off seasons to – pretty much completely uh, change and evolutionize the way I was as a player. I really owe a ton to uh, Steve Peterson, who was my hitting mentor, my baseball mentor uh, with Power Pipe Baseball. He's out in uh, the suburbs here in Chicago, uh, in uh, Lake Barrington right now at the Fat Throw Zone. In my opinion, nobody knows the swing better than him. Uh, not many know the approach that he has. And he just took me under his wing and said, if you're going to do this thing, you got to make sure that you work. And I said, yes, sir. And I put my head down and, uh, you know, people see the results on the field, but they don't really see the uh, behind the scenes, all the, the hours and tireless swing changes and hundreds and hundreds of batting practice balls thrown to, to become what you want to be during a season. So uh, I owe a ton of credit to Steve um, and all the guys that I train with, and uh, uh, just having that positive vibe at Chicago too was uh, uh, helpful as well. You know, and I have to tell you, I'm a, I'm a little, I have to say, I'm a little disappointed in, in this part about you you deciding to hang it up there, Ryan, because you know your game has always been something special. You know, you've had some pretty good power numbers as well in Chicago, but. Boy, the speed was really picking up over the last couple of years. I'm a little disappointed to see your side and walk away. Hey, I owe so much to the guys that I played with on stealing bags. I had people poking fun of me, all that stuff. I've never had speed in my life. I'm, I don't, so if someone told you that 
I was fast at one point, I'd say, okay, I don't know, I don't know what dream you were dreaming, but that that wasn't uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, but playing with some unbelievable base stealers like Michael Krause, teaching me the right counts, the the right times to steal a base, Nick Heath, uh, Anthony Greer, one of the smartest baseball players I ever played with, Grant Kay, uh, uh, even guys like Casey Hobson, and um, uh, even even pitchers. Uh, that I've talked to about, hey, well, how, how, do you, how do you hold guys on? What do you look for? And those are the questions that I just was curious about, but also I took it into my own game. And, uh, you know, I had, I had a bet with a guy about uh, how many bags I could steal. Can I steal more bags than uh, 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 so-and-so this year? And, uh, you know, I, I took my chances, uh, and I was just I, – I, I thank the guys for, for, for uh, helping me steal some bags with their knowledge, but uh, – yeah, that'll be the one thing I don't miss too much is, is hitting the ball to the wall and having to run as fast as I can to get to second, even though that didn't look fast. I, I promise you I was working as hard as I could. <laughs> so did you take it personal? Like if a um, guy stole base on you the next time, if he got on it, like, all right, well, screw that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take one on you guys. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say I took it personal. I know the game inside the game. Uh, there, there was a couple times where uh, I, I might have because if, if I knew the guy and he kind of looked at me, uh, Evan Alexander, I played with him uh, in the Yankees organization. He was on Fargo, awesome base dealer. So, uh, you know, he's staring me down when he gets on first base. We would talk about it uh, before the game, like, hey, you going to take one today? And, no, I got you. I'm going to throw you out. And uh, I think we were like 50-50. Um, that's a guy that the throw's got to be perfect to get him every single time because he just flies. Uh, but uh, I never took it personal. But um, I know if I stole against the other catcher, the next time they came up, I would say, hey, man, that's not on you. That was on the pitcher, and we'd just start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back now, Ryan, besides the big hits, are, are there other memories, even through the Yankees organization, some of that, things that really stand out for you in your career? Yeah, I mean – it's, it's, it's honestly very difficult for me not to think about all the memories with the dogs. That first season, that 2021 team was so special, maybe, and, and nothing against any other team, but if you ask guys who were a part of that team, that might have been the most cohesive group of uh, ballplayers I've ever been a part. That, uh, that series in Fargo, even though we lost it, was incredible. Uh, the walk-off hit, 4th of July, against the Milkmen in 2022 in extra innings. Uh, Michael Krause got the walk-off hit. Danny Mars had a game-tying hit. Um, that was special. With the Yankees, my first professional home run uh, was against uh, uh, the uh, uh, St. Lucie Mets, I believe. Uh, so I remember that. Um, I also uh, uh, would be remiss if I didn't mention uh the 2022 team uh when uh uh grant k hit his 20th home run he he pimped it i remember that one um i've never been on a team where someone hit 20 so that was wild to me um at least through a whole season uh but then my first ever game at impact field i'll never forget it uh my third at bat i i hit a home run to a left field and uh i just remember looking up into the sky and saying Thank you. Something, something is right here um, with, with this place. It just felt right. So those are the moments. And there's so many others, uh, but those are the ones that really stand out right now. 
We talked about that. No, now, now you've signed and retire and, and Nick Green, I'm not sure whether he's where he's at at this particular point. This could be a fairly different dogs team coming up this season. And so what are your thoughts about what you think Chicago is going to look like this year now? I have no idea. Um, it's going to be similar to this last year because uh, this last year's team, I was the only returning offensive guy. Uh, we were supposed to have Danny Mars. He had a unfortunate uh, injury he was still dealing with. But for, for the people who forgot, I was the only returning guy in that lineup. Um, but uh, it really, uh, I really, I really have zero idea, guys. I wish I did. Um, I don't know how many guys are, are, are hanging them up. I don't know how many guys are uh, going to play somewhere else. Um, it's, it's really going to be a surprise to me. I, I really wish that, uh, you know, the dogs could find some local guys cause it's just different when you're local. Um, there's a little more heart involved. We had a ton of local guys this last year, uh, but really just finding the same kind of guys that you've had the last three years, unbelievable human beings. I didn't run into one guy that I didn't like, um, which is very rare in baseball. I owe that a ton to Butch Hobson, knowing personalities just over the phone, being able to have a good sense of, of how to manage a clubhouse. So if you have someone like Butch Hobson at the helm, uh, you're going to find good players, and good players are going to want to come because of who Butch Hobson is. So um, as long as Butch is still the manager, I have no doubt uh, the Chicago Dogs will be just fine. But um, if, even if they decide to go somewhere else, they'll bring someone in um, that should do the job just fine. What is it like as a player when you know your manager is battling some health thing, but he's out there every day giving you 100% as manager? You know, what, what is that like as a player at that point? There is no manager in the game of baseball like Butch Hobson. The passion, the, the, the feistiness, the knowledge that he brings to the game is unparalleled. Uh, and I've had the luxury of having many coaches, many managers through my career, just being around with the Yankees organization, flipping between a ton of uh, affiliates, triple-A, double-A, single-A, high-A, rookie ball, extended spring training. Um, Butch was the most consistent day in and day out. He was the guy who I've never had a manager believe so much in his players than Butch did, someone who was so genuine with every single thing he said, and someone who saw something, if he just saw a little spark in you that could help the team, if, if he saw someone who got released from an organization uh, because maybe their numbers weren't there or, or they weren't performing at a high level, Bush has this innate ability to see you as an individual and say there's something inside of you that just as it hasn't come out yet and I'm going to be the manager to help it come out. And I'm an, a prime example of that. Uh, my numbers with the Yankees weren't that great. When I got to playing with Butch Hobson, man, it was just it was it was like it was playing baseball. That's all it was. I wasn't trying anymore. I was just going out there and 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 having a blast. And I owe that so much to Butch. The the energy he brings is is awesome. And uh, uh, his health concerns were uh, were tough. Uh, especially, I I call him my manager. He's like a father figure to me. Um, and so not having him for that little bit was hard. But our coaching staff. JD and uh, Stu Clyburn did an awesome job uh, covering for him and 
I mean, if you look at the numbers, when Butch came back, the dogs got a rolling. So uh, I'll, I'll always be so thankful for, for Butch Hobson. If there was one thing about Butch Hobson that people didn't know about that they would be surprised about, what would it be? Strong man of faith. He's very much into uh, into uh, praying and, and being there for his players with, with his faith. He would join us in, in Bible studies. He would join us in, in prayers on the bus. We would say a prayer before every bus trip. Um, Butch is the, just the genuineness of a man. I mean, you see him and, you know, you might see his tattoos. You might see that, you know, very strong goatee. He's God and he looks intense during games, but he is the easiest guy to talk to. He's such a gentle soul. Yeah, he gets fiery about baseball and, and he might get thrown out here and there, but he really does it for the antics. He does it for the, uh, you know, to get a laugh here and there. And that's just him battling for his, uh, for his players. And, uh, the umpires always respected him. Even even if he did get on their nerves a little bit, they always respected him. So, uh, But for those who, who would be surprised to hear Butch is a man of faith, that, that's what I want to say. He's, I, I, I honestly don't have enough. I can't say enough about him as a human being, not even just as a manager, as a human being. I will be uh, in contact with Butch for the rest of my life. How about this for you, Ryan? Tell us a little bit, what, besides Impact Field, what was a park you really liked to play in, and what did you absolutely hate to go to? <laughs> Great question. Uh, King County was awesome. I have some, uh, you know, as a kid, I used to go there just being around, living around the area. King County was fun. Man, they bring in a crowd every night. They do a great job. Um, I love playing in Cleburne. Uh, my numbers will tell you exactly that. I don't know what it was. There's something in the air there, some in the water. But uh, uh, I know Zach Nair wasn't too big of a fan of me when I went down to Texas. Um, but honestly, all the fields were awesome. Uh, Winnipeg was great. Uh, the fields that gave me a challenge, uh, Sioux Falls, when they got the turf, uh, I loved it there. The, the dirt was tough sometimes. <laughs> Um, so the turf definitely has elevated that uh, that stadium, and uh, just as a defensive standpoint, the short the short porch is tough. Uh, as, as a pitcher, you give up a uh, a uh, right field home run there, and you're like, oh man. As a hitter, I love going there. Um, but then Sioux City, uh, I respect it a lot because it's an older ballpark, uh, but uh, an awesome clubhouse, really nice clubhouse. But uh, uh, if it rained in Sioux City, <laughs> you weren't playing. So. Uh, that that was my only knock against any any ballpark really. Now looking back, if you were talking to a, a, a you know twelve thirteen year old kid who's interested in being a professional baseball catcher one day, what what's a, what's a piece of advice you'd give to him? You you gotta learn everything about the game, and it's kind of a blanket statement, but it, it rings very true. You you can't just know how to catch a ball, how to throw a guy out, how to block a ball. Uh, you got to know what a third baseman's supposed to do on, on cutoffs. You got to know what your outfielders are supposed to do, where they're supposed to give the ball. Uh, you got to know every single pitcher as an individual, not just as a staff, but what does this pitcher do well? What does he need work with? What does this pitcher do well? What does he need work with? Uh, and then also being able to separate your defense 
from your offense and realize all you're doing as a catcher is you're standing up and you're turning to your side, and now you hit with catcher's eye. Uh, a lot of catchers get knocked, uh, get knocked down because, uh, oh, they just don't have the bat. They don't have the bat. Well, I always thought about it completely differently. All I'm doing is I'm hitting with catcher's eye. Uh, now I just got a bat in my hand, and instead of my glove, I'm going to catch the ball with my bat, with my barrel. Um, it's simpler than, you know, it really is. It sounds simple. Uh, obviously, the game of baseball has a lot of intricacies that, that can make it difficult, but uh, the catcher's got to know everything. He's got to know the other hitters, their tendencies. Um, so if you're a young, aspiring ball player, watch the game of baseball, pay attention to the catchers, pay attention to – Everything you can, but if you want to be a good catcher, a good catcher, and you want to go pro as a catcher, or even just to college, or even just start on your varsity baseball team, watch the game of baseball. Go on MLB Network, learn from the best, because that's how I did it. And I, I don't think enough kids nowadays actually watch nine innings of baseball anymore. And and that's what I did growing up, and I know that helped me a ton. You know, there was a great St. Paul Saints catcher by the name of Vinny DeFazio, and one time he was telling me, he said, really, he was 40% catcher, 60% psychologist. So tell me a little bit about some of your interactions with pitchers. Yeah, I mean, you you got to know, can you kind of be fired up when you talk to a guy, uh, a guy like uh, uh, an A.J. Coleman that I, uh, I played with last year in 2022, I can kind of get on him a little bit. Uh, I can tell him, hey, AJ, you got to be better, man. I, I need the energy this time. Or a guy like uh, uh, Jonathan Tripp, where we, we are kind of infamous for our yelling matches in the dugout now and then about you got to execute a pitch or you got to give me time to, to throw someone out. But we'd yell at each other. We'd walk to one end of the dugout, go back, smile, and give each other a hug. So it's, it's funny how that, the, uh, uh, the relationships work. Or Tyler Palm, me and him would, would get a little fiery, but – then you also have your guys that, you know, you got to have that calm demeanor. you got to be relaxed. Hey, man, it's all going to be good. Just one pitch at a time. Uh, and, and everything in between that. So, yes, you are a psychologist. you got to know the right thing to say. you got to make sure you don't say the wrong thing because you can totally get them out of their zone. Uh, so that's why just learning guys through batting practice, through your bus trips, uh, just hanging out after the game, you gotta you gotta do that as a catcher, um, and that just comes with the position. So uh, you definitely are a psychologist, and uh, so that's why it's ironic that that's what essentially what I'm doing now is helping uh, helping people in their mindset. So, well, that's pretty awesome. Uh, what uh, what what is you know I, I I don't think we very much get to hear about what guys do for kind of fun outside of the baseball world. So. What, what what's Ryan Lidge do to enjoy himself besides uh, hit a ball over and, and ruin Milwaukee Milkman's days? <laughs> Are you talking more, more so in the season? No, I mean either way, either in the season or just when you when you know when you have an off season. What what do you do to occupy your time? Well, uh, I'm a big movie buff. I love movies. Um, any kind of movie. I don't like to rewatch movies, so. Uh, any movie recommendations, I would ask throw them my way. Um, I'm a big workout junkie. That's really new for me. That's been the last couple years. 
Um, but I, honestly, I just love spending time with my friends, and uh, and we like going to trivia nights at uh, at sports bars and restaurants, and we actually do our own trivia over text where if you find one little nugget about some MLB player or an NFL player or something, you hey guys, I got I got a piece of trivia for you, and now we're just you know, the next thing I know, I, I don't look at my phone for 10 minutes. I look back at it and I've got 200 text messages <laughs> just because we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, can, who can guess the, uh, the player from the 1990s who had 40 homers, 40 stolen bases season or, or something uh, like that. So uh, I love doing that. Uh, but uh, really just being with my friends, being with my family, uh, that, that's really essentially what I do. I don't really go out and go bowling or – uh, any any of that stuff, although I do do that now and then. Me and Brian Schlitter, we hit the lanes now and then. Um, but what I look forward to is really getting on the golf course because I am a an atrocious golfer, uh, which is very funny because you'd think I'd be able to do it. The ball's not moving, but uh, I can't hit the ball in the air. So if you guys got any advice for me, I, I need it for this, this spring and this summer. <laughs> well, actually, it's, 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 it's like it's a – I've learned it was a bowling mentality is a little bit that I golf because everything I hit I sliced. So I was I would play my shot way off to the left, knowing that it was going to slice. So it always would go way off to the left and then slice right into the fairway. See, I I could live with the slice right now. I I, I don't even think the ball can roll ten feet for me. I, I don't know what it is. I hit ground balls. I can hit I can hit fly balls with a baseball, but when it, when the Tiny white balls on a tee, I can't, I can't seem to get it in the air. So I'm work, currently working on that. <laughs> so with your affinity for trivia, have you gotten into the Immaculate Grid stuff oh like uh, a lot of people when have? That came out, when that came out, that blew up in my, my, friends, uh, my hometown friends group chat. Uh, we did it all the time on the buses, too, with the, with the Chicago Dogs. Uh, I love that grid, and um, it's challenging. Well, I actually do it to myself because I try to get that really good score where I get the guy that nobody says. Um, I mean, every time there was a Chicago Cubs-Oakland Athletics connection, Brian Schlitter was the go-to guy. Uh, so, you know, that's good for a .1%er on the immaculate grid for uh, – for a good score, but uh, I love that thing. It's it's awesome. I I forgot to mention it to him when he was on the show, but Deputy Commissioner Josh Buckholtz is a uh, immaculate grid junkie, and he's like me. He's one of those guys that grew up in the late seventies, early eighties. So we remember those guys that played way back then, and us too. We were out. Yeah, we'd always go for the go for the low percentage scores. Well, that sounds like a fun thing, but, but we're going to have to get you in on trivia night somewhere here, Ryan. We'll have to figure out how to make that happen. So, that, that'd be I'm not the cool. best trivia guy, but I'll tell you what, if, if you need a best educated guest, I, I'm your man. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you need, so that would work out perfectly. Yep. Well, Ryan, we appreciate you being on the show, and that you're a veteran guy, show number three with us here. So, I know you have a great final thought for Kevin and I tonight. Oh, yeah. Um, I just want to give a shout-out, and I think I've done this every time, but I, I hope the people listening can feel how genuine I am when I talk about just we cannot have a league, the American Association cannot exist without the fans. And so thank you, 
to every single fan that showed up to any game this year, and especially those Chicago Dogs fans. Uh, not to be too biased, but I think that those fans are just so passionate. They're awesome. It's such a young franchise, but you've already shown how the support will be there consistently. And, again, I can't become a major league baseball player in my dream unless the fans are a part of it. I can't go out and enjoy an entire 100-game season in the American Association unless the fans are showing to the ballpark, they're giving their support, and they're there for us. So thank you, everyone. Every single game I ever went to, I, it's, it's hard for me to put into words really how much it means that, that you guys come out and, and support the league and support the players, and just know that you guys do make a difference. Whether you're heckling the other team or you're supporting your team, you guys coming out does make a difference. The energy is real. The support is real. And so whether you're a Dogs fan, you're a Cougars fan, you're a Canaries fan, you're a Cleburne fan, go to the game, support your players, let them know how much you care. Because we're all, at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We just love being at the ballpark. So uh, uh, thank you, every, every single person listening, and even the ones not listening. Thank you so much for, for honestly, the best baseball years of my life. Well, Ryan, we appreciate that. And on behalf of Kevin and myself, we, we both want to say to you, too, thank you for the great memories that you've given for the two of us and for the league in general. And, and uh, you've been a, just an absolute pleasure to have in this league. And, and uh, we hope the absolute best for you in the future. Thank you, guys. And, and don't be strangers. Um, I'm always here to talk baseball uh, or trivia, but uh, I, I appreciate you guys. What you guys do for the league is, is awesome. So uh, uh, keep, it, keep up the good work. Ryan Lidge, thanks for joining Kevin and I. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Of course. Yeah, of course, guys. Thank you. Well, Kevin, uh, great having Ryan on. Man, going to miss this guy in the league. You know, that's um... – when we think about this league, we think about the guys that come in, have an immediate impact, maybe make it to the majors. But then, you know, there's then you got the guys that stick around. And granted, maybe they didn't get their shot with the MLB team, but they were guys that made an impact on the teams that they were on. And you know, they're guys that become legends within their own clubs. And you know, maybe. Maybe someday in Chicago we see a Ryan Lidge jersey retirement. So, you know, that's what makes this league special is that we got we got characters that um, maybe out in maybe out in like Seattle, Washington, or San Francisco, they'll never hear of Ryan Lidge. But um, for within our league and the the fans that follow it, um, everybody will always remember remember him. You know, and what's great about Ryan and guys like him is that um, they they come here and there's no chip on their shoulder. No, uh, you know, God, here I'm in partner league baseball. It's hey, I want to, man, I'm getting to play in front of my own hometown, and it's Chicago, and it, it and it's a great team, and it's a great league, and and they just come in and just enjoy playing here, and that's what makes this fun. You know, we got to enjoy one of the greatest baseball personalities I think we've ever seen in Reggie Abercrombie who stayed around in this league for a long time, had opportunities to get back into affiliate ball on many occasions, just loved playing in Winnipeg. And I think that makes it a lot a lot of fun to watch this league like that. And Ryan Lidge helped to make that true this this last three seasons there, Kevin. 
Yeah, you know, and that's what made Reggie really special too. Is that he got to see it all. You know, he had it was brief, but he had his time in the major leagues, and then obviously Triple A baseball. But then he also had almost like a separate career where he was in the independent baseball, and you know, he he made his mark uh, both ways. Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of transactions on the American Association website because transaction portion of the site is down. So, uh, so we're, uh, we're kind of stuck with that. But I did want to mention Edwin Arroyo uh, signs out of Cleburne, joins his former manager there, Logan Watkins, in Winnipeg. And Winnipeg has signed Andy Armstrong to return as their shortstop. So Edwin Arroyo, great second baseman, Kevin, but had a big bat in this league for, I think, like six seasons now. So that's a huge pickup there for Winnipeg. That was one of them, you know, you, if you're on social media and you're a fan of the league, obviously you're following all the other teams in the league. So you do get updates, whatever, on player moves. And I guess, you know, for me that was one that stood out was a Royal going to Winnipeg. And like you said, Andy Armstrong comes back. So, you know, it could be a situation up there where, Logan Watkins is going to, I don't want to say have a merger of two teams, but, you know, he's going to bring the, he could be bringing a lot of the guys that were good for Winnipeg back, and then you throw in a mix of guys that are loyal to him that want to play for him and don't not necessarily have that loyalty to Cleveland, but they want to play for their old skip. So, you know, you could see some other guys that, played for Cleburne, um, decided to make the trip to Winnipeg and play for their old skipper. And, you know, that's, Absolutely, yeah. you know that, that, that could make for a heck of a ball club. And, you know, a, a guy who's probably drooling at the prospect of Edwin Arroyo hitting in front of him is Max Murphy, looking for a man. There's a guy who's going to be getting on base 360, 370 on base percentage, going to hit doubles, get himself in scoring position. Max looking to try to get that, that RBI mark <laughs> maybe this year. So that should be a huge one for him. We also want to mention, Kevin, Tyler Grower deciding to re-sign with Fargo and Colton Davis joining him as well. Colton was off to a really fast start last year, got him back into affiliate ball after playing so impressively, and Tyler Grower has been pretty impressive over the last couple of years. So that rotation looking pretty solid for Fargo to start out with here. If Davis was a guy that... Came on later in the season when really Fargo was, it seemed like the pitching was in a little bit of a disarray, but Davis was a guy that just came in right away and had an impact, and I'm really excited to see what he'll do with the full season with the Red Hawks. If he stays with them for the full season, also we've got to look forward to. So he was pretty impressive for the club last year. So. Uh, not a lot of huge news around uh, Frontier League. They did have a lot of players are being signed by the club out there. But it's really in the Atlantic League where the bigger news uh, has come out of. And that starts with the Temerity Baseball Group purchasing and acquiring the Lexington Club in the Atlantic League out there. Um, so working with local in investors in the area, they wind up purchasing the club. So uh, new ownership there in Lexington this season. Um, we also see that the uh, the Blue Crabs, the Maryland Blue Crabs, sign some uh, guys for the team. Neil Lang, uh, former guy there for the Sioux Falls. Oh, Canary clubber. Signs them. 
<laughs> I'm, you know, I, as I got to follow Sioux Falls uh, a lot this summer, you know, doing some work with Tanner Hoops on color, I got to know the Canaries roster. So I always referred to Neil Lang as Clubber, if people remember Clubber Lang was Mr. T's character in Rocky Three. So when you said Neil Lang, I thought, ah, Clubber. <laughs> So he'll be jumping out to the Atlanta League. So congratulations to him uh, for getting that opportunity out there. And uh, York has um, starter uh, Nick Raquette, I think is the way that is said, who was the co-pitcher of the year in the Atlantic League, signed by the St. Louis Cardinals organization. So uh, congratulations to him getting the shot to get back into affiliate ball this season. That covers uh, what we know what's going on out there in partner league baseball right now. And so, uh, Kevin, how about our shout-out for this week? Well, our shout-out is going to be the folks that you just mentioned that um, bought the Lexington franchise in the Atlantic League, and we believe they've dropped strong hints that they have realized that Counterclocks was not a very good name for a baseball team, and they're hinting strongly that Lexington will be going back to being the Lexington legend. So, shout out to them for not being on board with these um, ridiculously named baseball teams. The names are getting over the top dumb. <laughs> I'm going to tell you honestly, Kevin. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess if you're cooked into a sponsor somehow or another, you feel compelled to come up with a name. But what it's what happened to like being associated with somehow or another with your community or the history of your community or something? Why did those days die? You know, that's something where what, um, uh, Brockton's going to be, I forget what the name is, but it's going to be associated with Rocky Marciano. I mean, there is enough, all these cities obviously have history where they can come up with a name that's marketable, but yet, um, fits in with the market that they're in. Uh, so my shout out this beat week toast is to... or s'mores or whatever <laughs> else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly. Right. I think I, I think I saw like a minor league team of. Oh yeah, I think it was in um, the Battle Creek, Michigan, where the team's going to be the flying a hockey team's going to be the flying toasters for a night. <laughs> well, all right. What's wrong with that? My shout-out, Kevin, is going to go to the 12 managers in the American Association who are, this is the time of year, we're going to get to see a whole lot of signings going on. I believe uh, Major League Baseball camps get underway in like 16 days, 15 days from the time that Kevin and I are recording this show. And so uh, they're going to be busy watching transaction wires and trying to get guys signed. And they're going to be losing guys who are going to sign with um, organizations before spring training gets underway. So. Um, Shout out to them out there who they're just their their off season is over and it's time to get down to business now. So, because Kevin, American Association pointed on the website today, hundred days till the season gets underway. Yes, I saw that the countdown's on. When you think about it, it's um three basically three calendar months and uh about ten days away. Yeah, that's that's crazy, and uh, it seemed like just. I'm seriously, I know we say this every year, but I feel like. The off season is getting shorter and shorter somehow or another, and I, I honestly did not feel very long ago we were talking about 
going over Kansas City, winning the championship. And now, man, that's uh, already we're on top of the season here. So exciting time for sure. I, I'd like to think we're part of that. You know, we kind of try to keep the, the home fires burning as we get through, like, the, I guess, the dog days of the off season, if you want to put it that way. So, you know, it's good that we're finally seeing a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. And For those uh, that haven't, aren't, aren't totally sick of listening to us yet. Very appreciative of the guests we've had this year, too, because it's been uh, a lot of new guys we haven't had on the show, but we like the the guys who know the show and have been on before as well. So um, exciting stuff going on out there. And I, oh wait a minute, you know what? We should give a a together shout out to the Lake Country Dockhounds. I think. Yes, they uh, acknowledged us. I thought that was pretty awesome. Had the whole show on their website there for to to go out and listen to. So. Um, we don't get that kind of publicity very often from teams in the league. So that was, that was pretty cool. So Lake Country Dockhounds, that gets the ultimate shout-out this week from Kevin and myself because that, that was a very much appreciative. And uh, Brian uh, had actually reached out to me and said they would like to use some of the clips if they could give us credit. And I said, well, you don't, you know, we, we're not concerned about the credit. You're welcome to use whatever you wanted. And then they decided to post the whole show out there. So um, talking about minor league sports reports. So. And Kevin and I. So we always like that. So thank you very much for uh, looking out for Kevin and I that way. And, and uh, again, for uh, Blake for finally being able to get back on the show here with us. So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I think that's it, though, Kevin, for now. So well, Kevin and I once again want to thank Ryan Liz for joining us this week. We hope he does great out there in his new ventures. So for Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.